Today we start off with a bit of an overview on some of the news items that we've talked about in the past. Then we look at the work of 40 Days for Life and some of the campaigns that are taking place right now across the world. Then we finalize this episode with looking what's taking place with Canada's Summer Jobs Program, something that is affecting us at CCBR, Toronto Right to Life, and other pro-life organizations as well. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Pulse, a monthly roundup of important and interesting abortion-related news from around the world brought to you from a pro-life perspective. My name is Peter. I am the host of this program, and with me again is my good friend and wonderful co-host and great commentator, Cameron Cote. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Peter. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're the one that comments on all the news and, and really gives us a great way to think about some of the things that are happening around the world. So commentator is now a sort of unofficial title that I've created, soon to be official, I'm sure. <laughs> now, in many ways, there's, there is a lot happening in the abortion war, but there's not a lot of groundbreaking news, riveting news that's taking place. And so what we wanted to do is take a brief look at some of the headlines uh, that are happening. And, and maybe you can comment on a, on a little bit uh, of what's going on, Cam. The Ohio city of Mason has become the United States 41st sanctuary city for the unborn by a recent vote of four to three. That is 41 cities now across the United States uh, considering themselves, calling themselves sanctuary cities for the unborn, making abortion completely illegal. We had a conversation with Mark Lee Dixon on a previous episode. If you want to learn more about that initiative, go check out that episode. In Texas, the battle surrounding the passing of the Texas Heartbeat Act is still going strong. A federal judge earlier in October temporarily blocked the act, uh, but the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned that decision only two days later, but we do know that the Biden administration's Department of Justice is doing what they can to find ways to block that law. Thankfully, uh, that law has not been blocked yet, but that doesn't mean that the battle is over. Uh, that doesn't mean that the, that the Biden administration and other pro-abortion movements are sitting down. They are still looking for ways. Now, an encouraging thing from the, the result of the Texas Heartbeat Act, according to the Lilly, uh, they have reported that some abortionists who used to do up to 30 abortions per day, that's 30 little boys and 30 little girls per day, are now doing around two or three. At Whole Woman's Health, one of the largest uh, abortion networks and abortion providers in Texas, nine of the abortionists of the 17 in that network have stopped performing abortions because the market just isn't there anymore. People aren't coming through the doors quite like they used to. Staff members as well at these abortion clinics are leaving in great numbers with one receptionist saying that they, and I quote, got gutted, end quote, because so many staff quit. So that's fantastic news. The fact that uh, people aren't coming to the abortion clinics quite like they used to be, which is forcing the staff and the abortionists out of a job, uh, something that we rejoice in. From Central America, uh, we've talked about Central America many times on this program. Guatemala, uh, we're talking about today, they have joined the Pro-Life Geneva Consensus Declaration, which is a declaration on actually promoting women's health. We often talk about organizations and groups that say they promote women's health. That promotion of women's health typically is nothing but uh, promoting abortion access in, in every way possible and for any reason. 
Um, but this is a declaration that actually promotes women's health and works to strengthen the family. Um, this is the Geneva Consensus Declaration. And Guatemala has joined this declaration despite ongoing attempts of the Biden administration to harm this historic international pro-life agreement, something that was initiated by the Trump administration. With that, we move to Ireland. Uh, Ireland um, is seeing some attacks from Facebook, uh, who is targeting abortion pill reversal ads on their platform. Uh, Facebook uh, shut down abortion pill reversal ads in the United States. They're working to do that in Ireland as well. Now, the abortion pill reversal procedure, something that we talked about with one of the uh, one of the, the doctors who spearheaded this this initiative, Dr. Matthew Harrison has been used to save well over 2,500 babies. He talks about that with us on the episode we did with him to learn more about the abortion pill reversal procedure. I wish I had the, the episode number in front of me, but I don't. But you can find it on all your favorite podcast catchers or our website at prolifeguys.com. So like I said, Cam, I, I mean, with this, there's more going on as well. There's, there's some wins and some losses on the state levels. Um, th there's a lot happening across the United States and there's a lot happening across the world, but nothing sort of revolutionary. These are things we've talked about before on previous episodes and on some of the regular episodes that we do with the Pro-Life Guys podcast as well. But what sort of commentary can you provide on some of these things that are happening? In a lot of ways, this month kind of makes me think about the trench warfare that, that in some ways, and I, I don't want to get too overly optimistic, it feels a little bit like the long, slow grind towards Berlin sort of thing, where we have these little victories that are happening back and forth. And I think that we do absolutely need to celebrate these little victories. I think often of our wonderful interns that we have every summer and how difficult it can be for them at times to celebrate the little victories of testimonies of changed minds and change and, and save lives when they're interacting with, with dozens, if not hundreds of people every day. And yet we should be very much celebrating this 41st sanctuary city Again, just this long, slow grind with more and more small towns and villages and sometimes larger cities that are stating that they will not permit abortions to be performed in their cities. Again, the, the great success in Texas, we have to continue to celebrate. I think that pro-lifers and, and Christians and, and all, all sorts of people have a tendency to long contemplate the, the losses, the defeats that we suffer and uh, moan and groan in our basements and, and at our, our kitchen tables and whatnot. And yet we celebrate for such little time the incredible victories that we have before us. And so please do take the time to celebrate these wonderful victories. Similar in Guatemala, we've seen the pressure that's been applied to so many of these Central and South American countries and so seeing this group be proactive, seeing groups even in Ireland, that, that though that is a very um, disappointing story from Facebook, how they're censoring and, and depressing ads from um, the abortion pill reversal, we see how diligently the people in Ireland are fighting to continue to um, share objective information. This isn't even slanted content. This is objective information as to if you regret taking the first pill of your abortion pill um, procedure, that can be reversed. Um, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. And I'm so impressed, so encouraged, so empowered by these people from around the world who are pressing for that there aren't these glorious strokes necessarily this month of massive bills that are being passed that are going to save tens of thousands of babies. And yet 
It's only been a few short weeks and months since this Texas abortion bill has been passed. Let's not forget um, the the number of children that, that are absolutely being saved by this bill already. Um, let's celebrate these victories for as long as we can and allow them and, and use them to fuel us towards even more victories and to sustain us through the pushback. I, I'm sure that we have to anticipate in America and other countries around the world um, that in many ways, the beast fights the hardest when they're pressed closest to their den sort of thing. And so as we're making more and more progress towards the proverbial um, Berlin, as it were, the, the fighting is going to become all the more ferocious, I'm sure. Um, and, and we are certainly um, anticipating and, and expecting a, a significant pushback, as we're going to talk about with the Canada Summer Jobs, Peter, in just a moment here. But before we get into some of that more disappointing news, let's talk about another point of um, celebration that we have here that as we're drawing to the end of another 40 Days for Life campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about this one. Now, we had a conversation not too long ago with Robert Cohoon uh, from 40 Days for Life in the UK. Once again, I, I regret to inform you that I don't know the episode number off the top of my head. I really need to uh, to get that beforehand. Uh, but you can, like I said, you can find that on our, our website uh, by finding the Pro-Life Guys on your podcast catcher. But uh, we were talking to him about what's happening with the 40 Days for Life campaigns that are taking place around the world. Because ever since September of uh, last month, so September 22, 40 Days for Life campaigns have been taking place and there have been a lot of them. According to Robert, 612 campaigns are happening in cities in 39 countries around the world on a daily basis. Now you might be asking, are these making a difference? Or even what are these campaigns doing? These are people standing outside of abortion facilities, uh, praying, mostly prayer, uh, having signs, offering help and, and having some conversations as well. Now, what sort of difference um, are these campaigns making? Well, 40 Days for Life has confirmed that at least 468 babies have been saved so far since September 22. And that is because Christians have been going outside of the abortion facil facilities, have been going to the places in the culture where there are abortion vulnerable women and witnessing to them and praying for them. Thousands and thousands of hours of prayer have gone up at these places and from these Christians. Now, here are a few stories that they've shared of experiences that volunteers have had. A man by the name of Kevin, who's a volunteer, he had a particularly busy day as he's helped save five moms and six babies in one afternoon. One of the moms had twins. And because of the work that he was doing, the prayer that he was praying and the conversations he was having, those six babies are alive today. There was an abortion-minded woman from South America who seemed particularly upset when she was interacting with some of the 40 Days for Life volunteers when they met her. But fortunately, fortunately, uh, the longtime prayer warrior Pat knew a pro-life doctor from the troubled, troubled mom's home country and set her up with an appointment. That expectant mother was able to to consult with a doctor in her own language and chose life for her baby. Uh, a volunteer, as volunteer Vicky was praying outside of Planned Parenthood, a woman drove up to say thank you for saving her two children from abortion. A man named Jim reported that he had a conversation with a woman who had scheduled an abortion seven years ago, but he says, when she arrived for her appointment, she saw people praying on the sidewalk and was so moved that she changed her mind and chose life. And one mom stopped by some volunteers to say, my daughter is 10 years old, thanks to your presence. 
I was going to have an abortion, but changed my mind because people were praying here. Please keep doing what you are doing. Since 2007, 40 Days for Life has confirmed that 19,518 little boys and little girls, little babies, have been saved from abortion. 114 abortion centers were closed and 222 abortion workers quit as a response to their work. The, the joy from this news is just profound for me. I think it's absolutely incredible. Having been involved with several different um, 40 Days for Life campaigns across Western Canada primarily, but also um, supporting groups from all the way across Canada and through America as well, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And I know how difficult it can be to be standing outside of one of these abortion facilities and with all of these tens of thousands of hours of prayer that have been witnessed over the last month or so, such a beautiful sacrifice. And, and yet, for so many of them, they don't get to see the lives that have been saved, the, the minds that have been changed, because um, as 40 Days for Life often shares about, and as I, I would hope all of you in the audience can understand, there's only a very small proportion of mothers who are going to come and admit to a 40 Days for Life volunteer that they were contemplating killing their child through abortion and chose not to. And so these numbers, I'm sure, are only a very small fraction of the number of children who have been saved through the prayerful witness of the courageous people who are going out at times around the clock. I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, witness through 40 Days for Life in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada, where they do a 24-hour campaign to show up and, and have a, a candlelit prayer vigil from 3 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the morning with my, a few of my friends. Um, it's absolutely beautiful the witness that these courageous people are doing. We hope that some of you listening were inspired by the episode that we did with, with Robert Calhoun um, at the beginning of the summer um, of 2021 here. Um, and maybe that inspired you to be involved with 40 Days for Life. For those of you who have never been involved for 40 Days for Life, for those of you who are like, oh my goodness, I, I didn't even know this was happening. The next campaign will be coming up in February of 2022, about six months from now. And so please do stay tuned. I'm sure we'll do another episode promoing that as we get closer, but please do get involved with your local 40 Days for Life initiative because this prayerful witness in this 11th hour ministry is absolutely essential for the babies that, that Peter, you shared that have been saved and for countless other lives that are impacted um, that we never even hear about. And so um, huge appreciation and, and gratefulness for those who have made sacrifices, who have taken time off work, who have gone out in the, the blustery and inclement weather to have that prayerful presence in front of their local abortion facility. Can't say enough about you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's always encouraging to hear, as you said, Cam, uh, about the great work that's happening around the world and the babies that actually are being saved that are alive today because of the faithful witness of Christians in various places of the world. And with that, we go to the bad news, as you, as you mentioned off the top, uh, and that is uh, regarding the summer jobs program here in Canada. Now, a federal court judge just recently made the declaration that it was reasonable for Ottawa to require applicants to a summer job program to declare themselves in support of abortion rights in order to get the funding. The Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, which is the organization that we work for, and Toronto Right to Life, which is a group that we work with pretty closely, were two of the organizations at the centre of that case, as both the organizations had been denied funding in 2018 because uh, of our values, because our values don't align with the Liberal government's values. The Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada had flagged over 60, quote-unquote, anti-choice groups that it deemed was unworthy of receiving federal dollars because they supported 
uh, well, not they didn't support abortion, but they supported uh, the ethical option of not having an abortion, but supporting women and their children in the situations that they are in. So they, they considered uh, these groups unworthy to receive the federal dollars for hiring part-time students. And the Trudeau government, the liberal government, dutifully agreed with that assessment. And so because of that, uh, organizations like ours, but many others as well, were not able to receive funding because we were not able to check a box that said that we support abortion rights. Blaise Elaine, who's our colleague, he's the former head and current vice president of Toronto Right to Life and the Eastern Outreach Director at CCBR, the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, said that he's disappointed with this ruling. And this is what he said, and I quote, We believe that it is a violation of our charter rights to put a values test on a government program like that and deny applicants on the basis of their beliefs rather than relevant eligibility criteria, end quote. Cam, what do you make of this? I, I think that the Blaze very charitable in in how gentle he was in his assessment of this. Blaze, a great colleague of ours, he was recently featured on Humans of the Pro Life Movement, one of our other series that we run at the podcast here. Um, I think it's absolutely asinine that a government can require a litmus test of something as volatile as abortion access for whether or not you're going to receive Canada Summer Jobs funding, and and make no bones about it, this isn't about punishing pro-life groups that are out there being hostile. This isn't a particular, you know what, we don't like um, gory abortion victim photography, therefore we're going to single out CCBR and other related groups. No, this is any group that isn't comfortable signing this for-profit or non-profit. And so this is including not only groups that you mentioned, Peter, but also Bible camps, soup kitchens, anything run by a Christian entity, including for-profit businesses like bakeries and and, and other companies that are relying on Canada Summer Jobs, a government-run program that's been run for years and years, funding that they've been able to rely on to be able to benefit um, the, the community, benefit society, and benefit the economy in, in many places. This is something that now they're being filtered on whether or not your business succeeds, whether or not your Bible camp succeeds, or your soup kitchen succeeds, is going to be dependent on whether or not you think it's okay to rip apart preborn children in the womb. And so I think this is incredibly frustrating and demanding of um, very, very significant action. I think that um, there's already a lot of people that are, are campaigning for placing the leadership within the Conservative Party. I'm sure that's a whole different kettle of fish. Um, but somebody who's actually going to stand up for conservative values because this is unacceptable. Right. Like imagine if this was on any other issue. We, we often talk in the podcast about trotting out the toddler. And what would we say if a group had to sign off that they thought that infanticide was OK, that they thought that sexual assault or racial violence or anything else was OK to be able to get a government um, support for um, the, the work that they're doing? It's absolutely bonkers that this is happening. And and I, I don't know what an appeal process could look like or would look like, but um if, if you are part of a Christian business that was denied funding, I would love to empower you and encourage you to consider your legal options on, on being able to fight back against this. And so um, I can't, can't say enough bad things about this one, unfortunately. And last thing I'll say, Peter, before I, I get off my soapbox is that this, again, speaks to the failure of the conservative governments that have gone before this, because this wasn't simply the government ruling, right? It was frustrating enough when the liberals brought this out. This was decided by the Supreme Court of Canada, the federal courts of this nation, of whom many of them 
several of them, I, I don't know the exact number, but several of them were appointed by a conservative government not too long ago. And so this, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many other people that I've spoken with, is the greatest failure of the Stephen Harper conservative governments that were in, in power for several um several consecutive series there appointing justices that would make these sorts of decisions. And so very, very frustrating, very frustrating that in many ways the conservatives had their own hand at bringing about this um, Supreme Court decision. And we have a lot of work to do here in Canada. Yeah, just a note on that, the Global News mentioned that after the government put this sort of uh, abortion rights language into the application in 2018, funding rejections increased 12-fold, increased 12-fold. And like you said, these aren't just pro-life uh, organizations. These aren't just groups doing pro-life work. They're churches, they're church camps, they're soup kitchens, they're other ministries as well that are doing some phenomenal work as well uh, that are being denied this funding because they will, they, they will not check a box that says they support a woman's right to have an abortion. So thank you, sir, for that commentary. As we wrap this up, I just want to say a few things. Number one, I was just looking back on some of the previous episodes that we've done, and we've had some particularly interesting ones, I think. And, and from the feedback that we've been hearing from some of our listeners as well, uh, they've really liked these episodes. One of them uh, was episode number 64. We had a conversation with a former Planned Parenthood director. She directed three Planned Parenthood centers, uh, including the biggest one in Arizona. And uh, she got fired and she became a whistleblower on some of the things that are happening at Planned Parenthood. And so she had a conversation with us to share that story. We had a conversation with a gentleman who shares his abortion story, who talked about the hurt and the pain uh, that he had because his partner decided to end the life of their child. We had a conversation, uh, Cam, you and I, about uh, the pro-life arguments that we've seen and we've heard used many times that we think shouldn't be used on the streets. Um, and we propose some better ones as well. Uh, we had a conversation, a final one I'll mention here, with um, the, the, the director of Safe Haven Baby Boxes, an organization that saves abandoned and neglected babies uh, by putting these safe baby boxes in fire halls, in hospitals, and in other places across various cities, something that we might be seeing in Canada in, in in some time. I know there's some talk about it in some municipalities. So very interesting conversations in our in our uh, perspective, but also from some of the feedback we've been hearing. Uh, so very interesting episodes that we've had recently. So go check those out. Cam, I know that you have some shout outs that you want to give as well to some of our lovely and wonderful friends. So take it away, sir. Yeah, so this this is not something that we often do. This is not necessarily international news, um, but something that we think is worth um, rallying around on this month. I can't guarantee that we're going to do this every month, but um, we have some great friends of the program that I think are worth celebrating as well. And so if you're listening, great friends of the program, both Carolyn and John, friends of ours, work, um, co-workers in this um, pro-life um, battle that we're in. They're getting married tomorrow at time of recording. So like a couple days ago from time of posting, huge congratulations to you guys, um, all the blessings and may the Lord keep you in your marriage. Similarly, big shout out to our contact Rose, who helps out with our Manitoba initiative, who got married recently, and to two folks who have been featured actually on our Humans of the Pro-Life Movement episodes, Alex and his wife, Megan. Alex works with us here in the Calgary office. Just welcomed a beautiful little girl into um, 
their into their house. Um, it was in their world for, for the previous nine months, now welcomed into their house in a much more visible way, um, all joy and blessings to them as well. And so a couple random shout outs we don't normally do, but we figured that with not a whole lot of earth shattering news from around the world this month, it might be kind of fun to, to celebrate these wonderful friends of the program. Absolutely. I think about our friend Hannah, our friends Hannah and Craig, who are expecting a child very shortly as well. So congratulations to them and hopefully everything goes well there. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in to this episode of The Pulse, a monthly roundup of important and interesting abortion-related news from around the world brought to you from a pro-life perspective. Thank you so much for sharing this episode with your friends and your family. Thank you for liking and subscribing. And thank you for listening to some of the other episodes as well. And if you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have concerns perhaps, or anything else that you'd like to share with us, please do reach out to us. You can do so on our website, prolifeguys.com. A full catalog of all of our episodes are there as well and some other pretty cool things. Um, go check out the merch shop. Yo, the merch shop. We love the merch shop. Um, so go, go check that out uh, because there are some pretty cool items over there. Uh, you can also follow us on YouTube. If you're, watch, if you're listening elsewhere, or if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to listen somewhere, you can do so on your favorite podcast catcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Player FM, or any other obscure podcast catcher that you may or may not use. Uh, go check us out there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you tune in again next time.